Hello and welcome to Simply Learning Tuition's podcast where we discuss all things education. My name is Kitty McQuerta, I'm an education consultant and today I'm going to be talking with Robin Dyer who is headmaster at the co-educational boarding school Ampleforth College. Robin got a politics degree at Durham University while he also captained the cricket team there. After university he went on to have a professional career in cricket before retiring and becoming a schoolmaster at Wellington College. He was then a housemaster and in 2002 became second master. He then finished as acting headmaster before moving across to Amberforth College to be the headmaster there at present. We're really excited to talk to Robin today so thanks for joining us on the podcast. So Amberforth was founded in 1802, so a long, long time ago. But what do you believe forms the basis of an Amberforth education? A Catholic education and the Benedictine values, those two things. And and they would have been thought about uh, in 1802, in fact, probably for centuries before Amberforth was founded. So, you know, these aren't, it's not new. Catholic education in the sense that the view is that or the philosophy is that every student is a unique entity unique qualities and it's the duty of teachers in a catholic education environment to nurture and bring out the best version of those qualities if you like or the best version of that student understanding that every student will be unique and it will be won't be a one-size-fits-all approach to education which means that the the personal contact the engagement the 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 if you like the pastoral care uh, has to be very indiv- individually tailored to the students needs and then the benedictine values which i think are very rich and the school has uses six of them i think there are many more hospitality stewardship respect attentiveness and integrity and all of them are odd words for a school i think you know they appear odd when you first come to them uh, stewardship isn't a, an obvious way of talking about taking responsibility but it, it has a, sort of a slightly bigger meaning than just responsibility i think attentiveness is is again a strange value but i think is very powerful actually in, in the sense that you're attentive to other people's needs as well as your own uh, respect is obvious, I think. Equilibrium is a value that is also, I think, much prized now, but perhaps well, it hasn't been in the past, the sense of balance and being able to deal with pressure and so on. So lots of good things coming out of those values. And I, I would say that's the core of, that's the basis of an Ampleforth education, the uh, Benedictine values and uh, Catholic education as a concept. I believe they are unusual values and I, I think they're great. Every old Ampleforth student that I've ever met has been really looks out for other people and I actually really believe those values are seen in that individual so that's also amazing and stewardship I've actually only ever come across in terms of my geography degree and making sure that we really look after our planet and I think that's actually also really important in the moment sort of teaching students from the bottom up about also looking after the planet so that's interesting as well. But I think that I agree with that but what I like about it is it's it's bigger than the planet in a way, if, if anything can be, you know, <laughs> that's a bit of a statement, isn't it? But I think it's also about stewardship in the sense of uh, looking after humanity, actually, not just the planet, but how we treat each other, how we in- engage uh, with other human beings, but also with ourselves. 
the idea of having stewardship over your own self, making sure that you, you live life as, you, as, as, as it perhaps can be lived or should be lived and so on. So I think it is a very, very powerful value. Yeah, I completely agree. So we've got these values during during time at Amberforth when you're a student there and hopefully you carry those on beyond just being at school. So how do you prepare students for success in life after Amberforth? Lots of ways, I think. We talk about it. <laughs> you know, we talk about um, preparation for life. We call it a compass for life, which I think is a nice idea that we give the students a compass which they can keep for the rest of their lives, which will, we hope, help them to deal with everything that comes their way. And I think the, the, the notions of Catholic education and the Benedictine values are part of that, or a big part of that, perhaps nearly all of it in a sense. But it's also about making sure that the education we provide is looking forward, not looking back. You know, I, I have to say I get a little bit fed up of some schools that trade on their past as though the past is going to inform the future for those students that are going through that school. It's all tried and tested, and therefore it must be good. Well, I'm not so sure about that, to be honest, because, you know, the world changes, attitudes change, pressures are different today moving forward than they perhaps were 20 years ago. So I think we do need to look forward and to try to work out what will be relevant to students when they disappear from ample forth. At the moment, we take the view that it's important for students to leave the college, not just with brilliant uh, exam results, but also skills which we think are relevant to the the modern world, Uh, to be able to communicate above all, I think, to listen to what people are saying to you, therefore to engage with people, to be able to talk constructively and sensibly uh, and accurately, maybe under pressure, I think is a, is a skill that is, is needed more and more and more. To be a self-starter in a way, not to have to rely on somebody telling you what to do every minute of the day, but actually to be innovative and confident enough to uh, maybe to take risks and to, to move things further forward in a dynamic way. So those are the kind of skills that we are trying to give our students in the hope that those things will help them when they leave the the college, going to university, uh, where life is largely free range. I I guess it still is. Kitty, I don't know whether it is. You're a more recent product of Durham University than myself. But um, there is a lot of opportunities to be independent learners and to be self-motivated for sure. And the, and the opposite, in a way. You know, people, I think, flounder at university. And some surprising people flounder at university, unfortunately. And I think often they're coming from schools where they're pretty much prepackaged uh, before they get to university. Um, maybe I'm talking about the hothouse schools here, which, you know, are good, very good schools, but they're, they're trading on simply outstanding uh, results and league table position. And... It, there's a feeling of sort of factory schooling, I think, with some schools. And I wonder how those students cope with the free-range atmosphere of, of university. And, and we hear constantly from employers, people who are saying, well, people are coming out of university with fantastic degrees, but actually uh, we have to retrain them to think differently and to, to live differently in order to cope with the the uh, demands of the job that, that they've applied for. And that seems to me to be crazy, that that, that scenario 
um, seems to exist if the employers can be believed. So I would, I, th- I think actually the job of schools is to prepare people for life, not just uh, outstanding results. I completely agree, and I think a lot of people do go to university and they've come from a school where they've maybe been spoon-fed and there's a lot of structure and they go to university and there isn't so much structure and then they start to feel lost. And so in that situation, I feel that playing university sport, and I know you did the same with your cricket, it gave me that structure which I otherwise wouldn't have had because I had to go to training, I had to go to my matches, and I think that helped me a lot in that kind of situation. I agree, yeah. But this leads me on to, to the concept Amperforth, which is independent learning, thinking and coping. So could you just tell us a little bit more about this and maybe how you implement that into school life? Yeah, I'd love to, because it, 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 it really is central to um, the vision that we, we're currently using um, to prepare people for the next stage, but also to help them with where they, what they're doing now. So independent learning, independent thinking, let's start there. I think it's very important. I mean, the, the A-level syllabus, apart from anything else, demands that you are able to think under pressure, not knowing what the, you know, the, the title might be for the essay that you have to answer. Therefore, you have to think independently in that scenario. But I also think that it's, it's very important as a, as a life skill, as we've just been saying. Now, there is a debate going on, largely on Twitter, uh, but also in other places, which is very binary and seems to... Uh, have simplified the debate to 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 a point of being ridiculous. The, the sort of hardline conservatives that say knowledge is everything and, and chalk and talk is the way forward, you know, characterised by that argument, and the if you like the liberals are saying, well, of course, it's all about experiential learning and project-based inquiry learning and, and nothing else. And of course, those two binary positions are, are false. It's a combination of both. I don't think you can have independent thinking without knowledge. (laughs) You know, it just doesn't make sense. And I think you start with knowledge and then you, you can work out ways of using that knowledge, which involves independent thinking. Uh, And that's, I think, where we are at Ampleforth. So we start from a position of saying, these are the concepts, this is the knowledge that you need. Uh, It's probably teacher dominated at that point because the teacher is the experienced person who who knows all of the territory that the students are just about to embark upon. But then it's vital that uh, through good questioning and um, uh, open questions, enabling students to offer their own thoughts and their own observations, to have debates, to listen to each other, to work collaboratively, to learn to make points that might be in conflict with what others may be thinking. That sort of cut and thrust, but also collaborative work is, apart from anything else, very enjoyable. It's enjoyable for the student. It's enjoyable for the teacher, I think, because it brings a freshness and a life to the classroom, which perhaps didn't exist before. And then from that, you get the the independent learning that we're looking for, or the ability to acquire your own thoughts given the knowledge that you have and taking things further forward now that i think is is is, is essentially what we're doing um the reason coping comes in to this is i think important because coping an old-fashioned word a rather odd word in some regards i think is part of what this is about because actually working hard 
and um, debating and and learning new concepts and developing your knowledge actually is not easy. And you have to have a sense of resilience, I think, to be able to, to deal with all of that. The, the last thing I'll say before I come back to you, Kitty, is this, that ITLC, as we call it, doesn't just apply to the classroom. It also applies, uh, as your question actually hints, to everything in school life. So the way we approach it is to regard, let's say, the co-curricular program. You're a hockey player. I would like to see ITLC developed in, in the team context for a hockey team, where the girls become responsible for their own success and their own failure, and they learn from it as a result of that. The coach guides, provides technical support, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, of course, but it is the team that uh, decide what to do on the pitch itself. Uh, I can't stand uh, coaches shouting and screaming from the touchline as though they're going to having any effect at all. But it becomes about the coach and not not the players. And I'd rather the players learn from their own mistakes and their own successes, so they become better people. As you were saying just now. You know, you felt that playing hockey enabled you to uh, perhaps deal with life better at, at Durham University. I agree with you 100%. So coping, I think, is is a very important concept and, and, it, and it needs to be linked. The last thing on this is that we've been set a challenge by uh, Ofsted in their report on harmful sexual behaviour, which I think is a brilliant report and timely and um, it provides a very, very good set of guidelines and thoughts for all schools and everyone's invited told us uh, quite clearly uh, that you know there was a problem and that uh, in a variety of different social contexts things have got out of kilter what Ofsted said was that 90 percent of the key information in this area is not known because it's sort of buried in the minds and the hearts of the uh, young people, perhaps, who are involved in all of this. So with ITLC in the pastoral sphere at Ampleforth, we take very seriously the business of enabling students to feel confident enough to disclose what's in their hearts and their minds. And this is done through, again, open questioning, building of trust, hearing the, the voice of the student, enabling the student to disclose about what may be happening in her or his life, and therefore allowing the adult in this, the tutor or the teacher, to try to help uh, the student with whatever it is that's going on in their lives. That's the 90% that we can't see at the moment. And I think ITLC is a key, key uh, ingredient in, in getting into that uh, area of, of knowledge that we, we do need to do. Brilliant. And I feel that recent events have probably you already, your pastoral system is already recognised as being very strong, but I feel this has probably accelerated and got people to talk even more and um, really work on improving here. And I like the way that the concept is, it's not about let's just create independent thinkers, boom. It's about this is a process and we've got to set students up to be able to achieve, therefore we need to give them the knowledge and then from there, they will be able to learn to be more independent in all areas of life. So I really like the way that you're not just saying we are creating independent thinkers. It's more of a process of setting them up in order for them to achieve not just at school, but beyond school. Yeah, absolutely right. 
And I think um, you are selective as a school, maybe not like a hothouse really academically, but you are selective because I know that you spend time getting to know the students that are applying to Amberforth and whether you think they're going to be a really good fit. And of course, you do produce great academic results. You're more selective in the way of the individual. So what are your views on academic league tables? <laughs> well, I think if you if you have an overly selective approach, what you're essentially doing is, 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 is bringing in quality uh, kids and uh, you end up with quality results. What, what a surprise that is. And I'm not sure it's telling us anything other than the quality of your admissions policy. Uh, you know, if league tables were based upon, let's say, value added, which is a lot more difficult to measure, I realise that, that would be a, a lot more useful to uh, people who are looking at the league tables and more useful for everybody, I think. You know, what, what, what is the difference that the school is making? What, where is the growth in the progress of the, of the student? Uh, that seems to me to be a far more important measurement than the sort of raw metrics of league table, uh, the league tables that we, well, we had before lockdown and maybe we'll come back to next year. Um, we'll see what happens on that. But you know, they are a very narrow way of measuring what goes on in a school, unfortunately. And some teachers and some parents some edu educationalists take it very seriously, think it's really fantastic, but I'm just not sure. I mean, okay, some of the data is useful. It, it, you know, it does indicate how a school is doing with its public exams, and that is useful up to a point, but it, it's only a tiny bit of the story, I think. I like that point of view. I, I went to a school which was a very all-rounded school, and I actually, my academic performance went up from my previous school which was more academic and I think that's because I was happier in general and all areas of school life were better than previously and therefore my I was more motivated and my results were actually better so I think that's yeah, also I, I, telling. See, I think that happens I, I really do think that happens the I mean what I've seen with you know if you like a hot house approach is that sometimes the very bright switch off I mean it doesn't always happen I know that but Sometimes they do, and I, I think that's unfortunate. Whereas also with a, you know, the, 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 perhaps the less talented, they become intimidated by the, and scared of the uh, requirement, you know, the target that will be announced from on high that we need, you know, X percent of A stars to, to A or something like that. And if you're in the category of perhaps being a B grade student, you'll be thinking, oh, God, I, you know, I'm a failure, you know, I'm no good, but I'm going to get a B, which is just an appalling state of affairs. It also encourages some schools to pride their position at league tables to the extent that they, they basically cull students at GCSE after their GCSEs. And that seems to me to be an astonishing thing to do. Uh, it seems to be a denial of education. I mean, education is about drawing out, bringing out the, um, the talents of all students, irrespective of their ability. If it, you know, that seems to me what, what we're supposed to be doing. If we're just processing for league table purposes, then I think we're, we're losing the plot, really. I completely agree with you. I do think it is a school's responsibility to get the best out of every child and make sure that they are reaching their full potential. And I think there is a lot of pressure on young children today, particularly in academics and getting into these hothouse schools and getting extra tuition, etc. And it does really increase pressure 
on these young people. And there is a growing risk of mental health issues amongst children. So is there anything that you do at Ampleforth to promote positive mental health? Well, I think ITLC is, you know, that's one of the reasons for it. You know, the C bit, the coping bit, but also the fact that we're saying that you you are in charge to a degree of of your outcomes yeah we can provide you with the knowledge and 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 give you an indication of the concepts and get you know a deep understanding of the subject matter but then you know when you in order to be able to get into the exam room and to think independently you have to do some hard yards in terms of your own ability to think under pressure and to communicate and so on so there's an element of responsibility there self-responsibility which I think is really, really important for students to learn. It takes time, obviously. It's not something that happens in year nine just like that. It's, you know, it's not like turning on a light bulb. It takes five years probably to develop properly. But what that does, I think, is give you a sense of resilience, that you can cope, that you are able to uh, make the weather, as it were. But also it, it enables you to uh, have the ability to express how you feel. And uh, I think a a large part of mental health problems are to do with people who feel that they have no one to talk to who will listen. And perhaps they haven't got the vocabulary to be able to do that or the confidence to do that. Particularly boys uh, tend to, you know, button up and and, and, and close down, Uh, meaning that the mental health problems that they are facing become more serious than perhaps they should be. Um, In fact, I had a student come into my office this summer, uh, leaving year 13, uh, had had one year of ITLC at at the college. And his message to me was, for goodness sake, do more on this front, you know, big it up. Don't don't lose faith in it because it's helping the boys in the school to, to talk about things which they need to do. And he was somebody who I think it had some difficult times, but was coming through them. So I think ITLC is a very important part of this. I think the culture of a school is a very important part of this. I think if if there is unnecessary, in my book, unnecessary external pressure being applied to students from wherever it comes, particularly in secondary schools where kids are going through adolescence, you're going to have mental health issues. Pressure is is useful up to a point, but if it becomes excessive and the the students feel they can't cope and it's been inflicted from the, you know, top down in a top down way, I think that is unhealthy. And, uh, you know, the counsellors, the queue for the counsellors in those schools, I suspect, you know, the queues are going around the block and that can't be right. Yeah. The interesting thing also being a boarding school is that you actually have a lot of members of staff that are close to students as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in each boarding house, you have a house a house mistress or master, probably a deputy house mistress or master, a matron, and you also have a, um, a chaplain or... Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think nearly every school, I think, is geared up for good pastoral care uh, and for a healthy environment. But not all schools are using that. Uh, um, you know, I think they're creating the culture that enables that system to, to really thrive. But yes, the answer in boarding schools, you you do have that, that that arrangement. And one of the advantage of boarding schools, I think, is that the staff have the time to develop those relationships with students, where 
the hopefully the constructive and positive things I've been talking about come through. Um, I think it's much more difficult in a day environment, but of course then the, the student has the benefit of being with mum and dad, and you know that is obviously a, a huge thing. Um, the way I look at this is that it is a, a triangular relationship actually between parents, student, and and the pastoral team in the house uh, working together for all 52 weeks of the year, not just for the 33 weeks that the school is sitting, trying to make sure that the communication is optimal between the three parts of the of the triangle and all working together for the same end, which is for the benefit of the, of the student. Now, that, that approach is, is, I think, really healthy and positive. Uh, it's a far cry from uh, what used to exist in independent boarding schools in the past, where um, there was no triangle, um, you, you were expected to, to drop your kid off and you wouldn't hear much from the school f- for weeks on end. And certainly the, the poor kid wouldn't hear from their parents for weeks on end. Uh, I think that was brutal. I think it was, um, you know, half-baked in a way. And you know, it was the also just a different, a different time, a different social norm. It was a different time. Yeah. But All you still time. hear people... Yeah, but you still hear people uh, criticising independent boarding education using the, that sort of language, and I think that's largely gone now. I don't think the, the remnant, there may be tiny remnants of that sort of atmosphere, but n- not now. It, it, it's, you know, boarding schools are really doing the job, I think, most of them, and doing it in a very good way, um, which is why people send their kids to boarding school these days. What do you think the main advantage of going to a boarding school over having a day school education is in your opinion well i think the depth and breadth of the educational offer is probably different because you have the more time so i think you know there are lots of things that can be uh, developed you know in the evenings are you still with me i'm still with you yeah Pity? yeah i'm still yeah, sorry because my screen's just gone a bit funny um okay yeah it, it, it's about time i think and about expertise and and a real love of actually wanting to get involved in in a very very sort of almost twenty four seven approach to education. Does that mean that day schools don't work? No, of course not. I think you know there's so many good day schools, and you know I think of my brother in law's former school. Um, John Clawton was head at uh, King Edward's Birmingham. I think the the unbelievable outcomes that that school achieved for its uh, students is just amazing, actually. And, and the connection between school and parents and the development of all sorts of really, really innovative and exciting programmes that they did there at King Edward's Birmingham. No, it'd be completely wrong to say that day schools aren't as good as boarding schools. I think they're different, they have a different approach. Uh, and maybe that's, that's just the way it should be. Um, you know, vive la différence. Yeah. I think one thing I always find about boarding schools that, um, I was sort of flexi boarded, so I had a little bit of experience of both. And I think people always say, "Oh, the co-curricular opportunities are far larger at boarding school because you have more time, etc." Which, to some degree, is true. But also at independent day schools, you have a lot of opportunity for co-curricular as well. But I find that with the boarding school environment, you have a lot more time with your peers to really develop friendships and to bond with with your friends and you get bored together you play sport together you hang out in the evenings together and I feel that one of those things is actually that the relationships you really develop with your friends um at boarding school I think you have a lot more time to develop those relationships yeah I'd agree with that 
we're just going to finish on an interesting question. So I kind of want to know what your main areas of focus for Ampleforth are in the coming years. Well, establishing the vision that I've, I've been speaking about. I mean, we've been doing it. I've been at the school for two years so far, and we've laid out the vision, and it's now a question of embedding it and making it happen, um, but also making changes in so many other areas. I'm encouraging Appleforth to be more outward-looking in its approach. It needs to, to do that. I'm excited by, for example, the development of the, the trustee board. I know this sounds a little bit crusty, but but the, the trustee board now is 50% non-Ampleforth uh, independent. I think that's really good. It, it, it will give us a freshness and a, a uh, an outward looking feel, which I think it will, you know the school has lacked for a very long time. Hopefully, you've got I some women on, on the trustee board as well. Yeah, it's it, absolutely. Um, the school's co-ed. Everything should be balanced in that way, and and the board is. So I think I mean just talking actually about that point. I mean one of the things I would love to see Ampleforth do. I mean it's it's perhaps a bit of a granular thing, but it, it sort of sums up an aspect of this is to, to is to become a hub for prize surprise girls and women's cricket plan for to build a, a cricket centre um, near the main cricket fields, which would have the express purpose of helping to to generate interest and real quality for girls and and, and women in 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 the world of cricket, but also obviously boys and men, for it not to be just a, something that Ampleforth has a, as its its own use but for the schools in the area the clubs in the area i think that'd be great fun and, and would do a lot of good i think it would bring real excitement actually to the yorkshire region and i'm told that people in yorkshire are also excited about doing this so those sort of things i, I think can be really positive for the school to make it more outward looking outward outward acting and this could be on an international basis too i think it would be a good thing for the for the school to do what other schools have done, which is to develop international versions of itself overseas, rather than the sort of China Far East uh, idea. I think it'd be actually good to have uh, high quality boarding schools in Catholic countries in the Western world and possibly in South America uh, and so on. I think that would be a good thing for, for Ampleforth to do, whether it's doable, whether people would be interested, you know, remains to be seen. But so I think what I'm in my remaining time at the it's going to be to try and encourage, first of all, the embedding of everything that we're doing right now internally, but also to take every opportunity to look out of the college and outward looking. That sounds all really super exciting. I would have loved the opportunity to have played cricket at school, but I think I played rounders and obviously tennis, <laughs> which is great. But super exciting to have the opportunity um, to develop maybe an international school in the future and also maybe give people internationally a go at playing cricket as well. I know that's a small part of the school, but that would also be um, hugely popular. Well, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it would, definitely. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Robin. Uh, we really enjoyed talking to you and, and it was a very interesting conversation. So thank you very much. Kitty, it's been an absolute pleasure. and uh, Good luck with everything. And um, come up and visit us if you'd like to do that. I would really enjoy that. It's very beautiful up in the uh, Yorkshire Valleys. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, a lot of people are coming up from London and other cities to, to, to live in these in this area and actually looking at schools like Ampleforth. So it, 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 you'd be amongst many others, I think, uh, making that journey. 
So once again, that was Robin Dyer, headmaster of Ampleforth College. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there's plenty more similar podcasts on our channel, which you can get on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thank you very much for listening to the podcast today.